After the premieres of our interviews on Saturday night, we like to get together for a live show. It isn't Saturday Night Live, but it is Socialist Night Live. to say a few words um, because we were discussing amongst ourselves today just the amount of hurt that we feel following Sarah Everard's disappearance um, could have been any one of us. We constantly shrink ourselves and monitor ourselves so as to not cause violence to be acted upon us and entitlement to our bodies is normalized and expected but our bodies you know, they're not our own, no matter how many t-shirts are sold with the girl boss slogan or how many of us speak about the Me Too movement. Then there's the intersection of this with other factors, such as race, queerness and class, to name book three. Um, and we want to add that there is absolutely no room for transphobia in this conversation. To quote uh, Kimberley Crenshaw, who was a law professor who coined the term intersectionality, all inequality is not created equal. And we must recognize the ways in which various forms of inequality often work together and exacerbate each other. The women's liberation movement in the 1970s spoke about how two women are murdered by their nearly always male partners every single week. In 2021, this number is now four women a week, and this is because of lockdowns and being stuck with violent partners. This is systematic, systemic, meaning that the solutions also have to be systemic and should be in favour of women and non-binary folks who often find themselves at the sharp end. Austerity is violence against women and non-binary people. Defunding women's refuges, community centres and groups, making it near impossible to access mental health services, female unemployment and low pay, and the setup of universal credit and other welfare that makes it that little bit harder to leave an abusive partner are all ways that this violence is baked into the system. And to this, we say fuck the police and fuck the blatant abuse of power and fuck the perpetuation of systems that leave us trapped. It has to end. And we aren't talking about awareness raising or training, the narrative that we need more good police to change the culture and overwrite the bad police is bullshit. They're trained to be violent oppressors and we have more than enough evidence to show that putting money into the police isn't the answer. The answer is the opposite. Take that money away from violence and put it towards transforming and healing our communities. It's been a painful few days and we we're, we're encouraged by the media um, present this as an issue for men to take on. However, this is the bare minimum and it's frustrating that it's taken even this long to move that conversation that far um, and we call for you to be better. And we want to say rest in peace Sarah, Sarah Everard and rest in peace Nicole Smolin and Biba Henry and rest in peace all the women and non-binary people who never made the headlines. We are angry and we will fight for this to end. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Socialist Night Live. Um, in in a in a particularly harrowing kind of evening at the moment, we're seeing videos coming in of uh, 
of women being um, basically violently oppressed by police while they are protesting an alleged, well, a murder of someone alleged to be a police officer who was protected by the Met Police, again, allegedly, um, in order to, you know, in order for him to go ahead and finish his shift and then go and uh, murder a young woman. Um, I'm not really sure what to say on this one. I don't really know how to make this one right. We are here to speak about other things as well, but I just, just thought that we couldn't open the show without mentioning the fact that women are being treated absolutely appallingly. And this is becoming more and more apparent that, you know, these people who are supposed to be there to serve the communities and protect the communities, are they actually doing that? And I'm going to hand straight over to uh, the women on the panel. We're going to introduce ourselves in a, uh, in a moment. But um, Laura or Angela, have you, have you got anything to add to this? I think I'll let Laura speak on this because I know she's been watching what's been unfolding at Clapham. So I think it's... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I've only, it's only been drawn to my attention sort of literally about 20 minutes ago. I want to say I can't believe it, but actually I can. This is exactly what today and the last few days have been about. Um, I guess if you want to call it the oppression of women or the lack of care towards women or... The, the the attitude towards women um, in general is is what this whole protest movement vigil whatever you want to call it is about and they've just gone in and proven us right you know um, okay before before we get all the comments about well it's a pandemic and you shouldn't have all these people together there's definitely an argument for that they lost the court case to be able to go ahead lawfully. However, the police were there at five o'clock this afternoon and they were letting people in to Clapham Common and they weren't saying a word, not a word. They didn't say to women, you're not allowed to do this or really you shouldn't be going, nothing. They let them all file in. Um, and the early pictures are really lovely, heartwarming pictures of all the women have got candles and they're not moving, they're not interacting with each other. Fast forward a few hours and you've got police. Um, making it into like a cattle market and they're pushing all these women and obviously tensions are really really high especially around the police it was a, allegedly a met police officer who's murdered this woman um so obviously tensions are high the majority of the police officers there were men and the majority of the people at the vigil were women so clearly there was something always going to happen and i think that I think the police really needed to just be a bit more on the ball with this one and plan ahead a bit more and just think, you know, is this really appropriate? Do we need to throw this many police officers at a calm vigil? It wasn't a protest. We weren't protesting. We were there to mark something important and to, you know, make a statement to say things need to change. It, it wasn't like an angry protest. So they've, they've made it so so much worse than it had to be and and nothing will happen they'll get away with it again and again prove our point that people get away with stuff when they shouldn't you know this is exactly what's been going on and like today 
and the last few days have been really difficult. Obviously, you know that I so I run the women's banner group. And we've been doing today. We we sent out a lot of pictures with that women sent us with messages on messages of solidarity, messages of experiences they've had in terms of not being safe. Um, and we got a lot of stories along with that. So we didn't share the stories, but they were really difficult to read. And yet, so um, you could relate to them. And it's becoming really clear that 100% of women have experienced something. Um, and until we start recognising that and, and, and trying to tackle that properly, things like this are just going to keep happening. And it's absolutely disgusting. I'm going to try and keep an eye on Twitter and stuff while we're on, see if there's any more developments. But it's, it didn't need to happen. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. We've got the socialist think tank team. We've got our members and we've got the people who are watching who I'm sure will keep us up to date. Your comments will appear on the screen as and when you make them. So if you have anything to update us with, we'll see it. We'll know what's going on. It's really useful for us to do this. I don't think the mainstream media have any particular care to look out for what is going on here. I don't think they want to let us know what's going on. This is about the establishment and we've got a really important topic tonight. So we're going to stick to that topic as well, but keep updated. The other thing we need to uh, let you know is at half nine, um, you can share in the candlelight vigil with us as well. We will be playing um, We'll be playing a candle on, on the screen um, so that you can participate as well. So you don't have to feel like you miss out on that. You can go and put a candle on your doorstep. You don't have to miss anything because we'll be we'll be paying our respects as well. Uh, in uh, as that uh, sorry at that time. So um, let's let's hope um, let's hope the the clapping common doesn't get any worse. Um, but we're getting reports in there that um, half a dozen all women crews could have been there um, to provide protection for the gathered women, um, if that was a suggestion from someone. Yeah, wouldn't that have been sensible? Rather than a load of men bundling people around, we've got some very, very uh, sensible people. Um, and sadly, uh, we're, the, we're the idiots, we're the evil ones on uh, uh, evil socialists, eh? So, um, okay, so I'm going to go around the panel. Sorry, James, for not coming to you on that because you have a valid, I'm sure you have a really valid opinion. And if you want to mention anything on that, please do that. So, you're, James, you're going to introduce yourself now. Hi, okay. Um, uh, I'm James Sumrall. I do uh, the IT and social media for Socialist Think Tank. I'm also IT and social media for Eastern CLP. And I run East Durham Make a Difference, which is uh, uh, essentially an online platform that connects all organizations and um, respective parties that make decisions in those areas and get bash heads together to make a difference in that area, get out, let pick, do the things that everybody else doesn't want to do. So you have the benefits of everything that nobody else has. That's community. Thanks, James. Uh, Laura. Hello, I'm Laura Daly. I um professional golfer for Socialist Think Tank, <laughs> do bits and bobs of everything, uh, some editing, some organising, some interviewing. I'm also the founder of the Women's Banner Group, who you'll have seen this weekend on some of our shows that went out live on Socialist Think Tank, which were just brilliant. Um, God, what else? Um, part of Unite the Union, Secretary for Central CLP, Jack of all titles. titles of none, I guess. <laughs> you are? Any more titles, more titles? 
<laughs> more titles, please. More titles. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Paul Daly, and I gained a title today. I am now the NEC delegate for the Socialist Educational Association. So there's another another title. Too much power in one household. Too much power in one household. <laughs> so Laura and I live in the same house together, being married and all. So uh, too much power. Far too, too much, much power. power. We can power. we can do things. We can write minutes. Laura can write the minutes and I can decide who speaks next in the meetings. That is the kind of power we wield. Unlimited power. Um, <laughs> right. And our star guest, uh, the the kind of the person that we really want to um to hear from in this show is Angela Hankin. Angela, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Angela Hankin from Durham and I'm a nurse. And I'm here because this is going to talk about um, what's going on with um, the nurses. Um, I'm here representing Nurses United, uh, I'm the core leadership team of that. And I'm also a Unison rep as well at my place of work. Um, can I just say as well that this, the, with the place, I know we're going back over, but there was, um, some nurses had a protest last weekend and it was really socially distanced. There was only about 10 or 15 of them. And one of our nurses got arrested and the organiser of the 10 people who were socially distanced got a £10,000 fine, um, which obviously we paid within about 10 minutes of crowdfunding. But there seems to be a common theme with women because I think we're easy targets. I think no, it's actually a, it's crowd, a... they've crowdfunded today. Um, the, the aim was they wanted to crowdfund 300,000 to cover all the vigils that were planned up and down the country because they knew they'd get fined. Yeah. I think it's I think it's an establishment thing and we're seeing this more and more. The establishment just comes down on anyone, you know, any sort of dissent. Oh, hang on, actually, if if uh, if we get called out for our bad behaviour about women, then then you know, around women, then where's the fun? And you know, like, and, and there's all this idea of, more, oh, it's not all men. Well, of course, it's not all men, but like, you know, just have a go at the men who who are doing this and don't get all sensitive that people are trying to blame you for something you haven't done. They haven't. You know, they haven't blamed you personally for something that you haven't done. So let's just try and support one another and try and listen to what women are saying. So I'm going to move away from that topic a little bit, but it's still the same thing because we're talking about nurses. We're talking about what's going on with nurses. So you've been offered, as a nurse, um, a 1% pay rise. Um, This is after, you know, in the context of a year where people are like clapping on the doorsteps and saying how great all the key workers are. And that's not just nurses, that's loads of different people, loads and loads of different uh, jobs. But particularly, like, you know, I know you've suffered from long COVID. I know you've had health problems. You had COVID twice. Is that right? Um, You know, you tested positive on two different occasions because you were in there. You were in the hospitals. You were you were looking after people. You were saving lives. And for that, you've ended up with long term health problems. And now they're saying, well, actually, we'll just, uh, you know, do, do you appreciate those claps? Do you think to yourself, do you like do you go to bed at night and think, tell you what, I don't need any more money. I've just got that image of Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson clapping on a doorstep. Is that what you want from life? Right. So, <laughs> in a way, it's it's two it's two different subjects. I'll, I'll kind of explain why. So when we went before COVID ever happened, right? We basically had a pay deal um, that was supposed to elevate 
the lowest pay grades out of poverty. When the actual pay grade came to fruition, what the pay deal came to fruition, what happened was it, it, it just compounded the erosion of our pay. Um, so if you've got an experienced nurse who's stuck on the top of a band, because we have bands in nursing. So when I say nurse, I don't necessarily mean a qualified nurse. It would be better if we could say nursing teams. And we have several bands across that and other people as well who work in the NHS. So we've got the porters, the domestic staff, path lab, there's loads of people who all have to work to get patients better. So it affected everybody. Um, since 2010, um, an experienced nurse has lost about 20% of her pay in real terms. She's about £6,000 down in real terms. So this was going on long before COVID. Um, it, it's astonishing. So when you say 1% pay rise, it's not, it's a 0.4% pay cut. That is what it is. It's, a, it's actually a pay cut the government have offered us. On top of all the other pay cuts that we've had to take. Now, Nurses don't like striking, it's not in our nature, we're not a particularly rebellious group. We were literally, um, we've negotiated, we've come to the table, we've backed our unions, but we've got to a point now where we've got qualified staff nurses who have to work an extra bank shift a week, which is paid less than what they normally get, um, in order just to survive. Now, then COVID happened and we're all knackered, we're all tired, and we're exhausted. I mean, people say, oh, well, you know, you get paid for it. But what we've actually had to do, we haven't, it's been above and beyond, way above and beyond anything. We kind of shut up through this because obviously as nurses, that's what we do. We just got on and got the job done. Um, and then at the end of this, the government have offered us this 0.4% pay cut. Um, to say it hurts would be an understatement. It really hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, I worry because I think this, this thing, because we are generally a female-dominated profession, that will be quite easy to topple. I've never seen nurses so angry in all my years. I've been a nurse 30 years and I've never seen them this angry. Never. And that's because we quite like to go back to work 37 and a half hours a week and actually be able to afford to live. You know, so that's why it's so important. And really, we're not asking for a pay rise. We're asking for pay restoration because it's 20% in 10 years, and Nurses United are asking for 15%, which I think is an appropriate figure. The RCN, who's one of our major unions, has asked for 12%. Um, so this 1% is so far off the mark, so far off the mark. An insult. Oh, it's, it's way past being an insult. I could, the, the nurses actually, you know, having to work all the extra hours just to, to 
to put food on the table for some people, it's not funny. I mean, you're talking 49, 50 hours a week, and that's just for some basic living. And it's just gone past being funny at all. We didn't come into it for the money. We don't want to be rich. That's not why you kind of come into nothing. Um, it has effect, the major effect it's going to have, and this is what the great worry is. If you asked any nurse what the best thing you could do for her would be is to fully staff a ward with nurses. So we've got 40,000 nurse vacancies. Why the hell would you come into nursing to be underpaid? You wouldn't. So the fact that our pay is so poor is going to mean our recruitment goes down. With lots of nurses my age who are coming up to retirement. And we've got to recruit younger people in the profession. And until they start paying proper wages, that's not going to happen. So the wards are not going to be safe. And to us, that is the biggest thing, making sure our patients are safe. You know, that's the big thing for us. Not the money at all. Making sure the place is safe. And if you've got nurses working all the hours God sends, I really don't see how that is safe. But they're tired. It's a depressing, isn't it? So a bit of a depressing subject, but I don't really know what else to say, really, because that's how we feel. It's a, and sorry, the, the people at home wouldn't have heard me there because I've muted myself. Um, it's depressing in a way, but it's also really uplifting to think of all those things you've done, all those lives you've saved. But the disrespect that the government have for you is absolutely appalling. And I want to say on behalf mm. of Socialist Think Tank, and I'm sure all our members will get in the chat, where they'll thank you and they'll ask you to take this back to your colleagues and tell people how important they think you are, how thankful they are for your, not in this stupid clap way, not in this stupid let's do it for virtue signalling, genuinely, like, absolutely over the moon, with how well you have done your job and complete respect for you. And I think that's really important that we need that we need to get that idea across. We've got five minutes until we're gonna to go to a, to to the candle scene where we uh where where we're gonna have a little bit of silence and and think about that. So in that in that five minutes, I want to bring this I want to bring up the question of strike action. So how do you think it's likely and how do you feel when people say well actually you've been taken to the end of your tether strike action is not easy and we'll talk about that more because there's not enough time in this next five minutes to talk about how difficult strike action is but how does it make you feel emotionally when you see people saying oh you know what they should just be grateful they've got a secure job um, you know they're just doing this how dare they do this because they're heroes they're supposed to be heroes doing this like this whole hero culture thing how does that make you feel well we didn't have to be heroes we really didn't have to be heroes we didn't want to be heroes I mean heroes by that term suggest that we're ready to go and die and a lot of us have a lot of us have because of this government because of their inadequate PPE so that's a different subject but a lot of us have died. Um, I don't want a strike. I don't know a nurse that wants to go on strike. But we've got to the point where we can't afford to live. A lot of us, we just can't afford to live. So I don't see what else we can do. 
I really don't. We've got a, a long way to go before we ballot and things like that. We've got peer review body in May to go. And I'm just hoping that the government comes to some kind of sense, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they value us at all. I really don't think they care about us because the last 10 years have shown me they don't. It's all it's all just for the next election. It's like they might do something if they think it might help them electorally. Laura? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I know we haven't got very long, but honestly, like this has just been such an emotional time. It's absolutely devastating. It's sickening and it's not on. They're taking the piss and they are really genuinely, they, they're not daft. They know what they're doing. They know that our nurses do it because they care so deeply and it would take a lot for nurses to go, right, no, I'm not doing this. Like, it's, they know that they're really committed people and that they care, and so they just take the piss out of them. But do you know what? They've pushed them too far now. Um, I think solidarity with the nurses, and they should be out on strike. And yes, the strike and action for a nurse is probably one of the most difficult decisions because they do care and actually if the nurses aren't at work then that impacts on the people that they care about but the government need to have a backbone and actually give a shit about people who who essentially save lives and are going to look after them when they go into hospital and look after their families and bring their children into the world it's just complete and utter I'm going to try and limit me swearing tonight. Sorry, <laughs> I'll, I, I, I'll wind up again after the candle. I think. <laughs> you know, you, you you worried you worried about the idea of swearing, but like you know, there's there's at the moment there is literally uh, police kettling women. Well, maybe not kettling them, but certainly pinning them but to the ground. Yeah, yeah pinning them to the ground and, and doing what they need to do. And we saw this in 2011 with the riots. We saw the way they treated people. Absolutely disgraceful. James, I'm going to bring you in. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, my feelings on it in in general is I'm I'm supportive of whatever decisions um the NH staff will come to, whether or not ballot. Like obviously, the big process before balloting and everything like that. Whatever actions you want to take, I'm fully behind. Um. There and it's not for us to sit and be like, oh, you should be on strike. You should go on strike and encouraging it. It's because I know from uh from your experiences. And uh, discussing uh, with people like yourself and their experiences is that you really don't want to go on strike. Like it's the last, it's the very last thing. Like it is with anybody, to be honest. Anybody who goes on strike will tell you this is the last thing I wanted to do. Then you're sacrificing your income. But I think NHS NHS staff have an added extra pressure of the people who they care about, the people who they're caring for, the people that they're responsible for when they go to work. That it's an added extra life and. One of the one of the biggest things I would actually get a, get across and is more you're gonna have to obviously have the public on side and the only way to have the public on side is reassuring them that if they go to the hospital while these are on strike that they're still going to be safe um, and I think that's the biggest issue that the NHS staff have when they go out on strike is having the public on side of them um, and it reassuring them that when they go to hospital, everything's still perfectly fine, as even if they were on strike or not. Um, and that's a hard thing to get across to the public when you have the media and the whole propaganda machine behind them too. Um, like they did with teaching unions is to discredit them at every opportunity if they were even considering strike action. 
Thanks for that, James. Right, I think that takes us pretty much up to it. We'll talk about this a little bit more after we come back from um, from our candlelight vigil that we're going to hold now. If you want to go and do that on your doorsteps, just come come back. Uh, we'll do this until um, until thirty two minutes past. So uh, see you in a minute. Right, probably won't translate to the podcast too well that bit, so that bit may get cut out. But uh, um, thank you so much for for staying with us for that one. Um, the vast majority of people have stayed with us or are, or are coming back. There are um, at the minute um, there are some really high quality comments, which is what we've just come to expect from people who are who are watching the channel. And uh, you are as much a part of this show as anyone else so every single person that comments up there we've got the comments that come up on the screen you are playing a live role in this in this and we really appreciate that that's why like you know that we've got this huge area of the screen that is um is the idea that the idea of that is for you to fill that up with your thoughts and for people to share them and it's really good to see that back and forth going on as well people even on different uh, social media channels people on uh, on twitch commenting um to people on youtube that's what this is there for so hopefully um hopefully we'll see plenty more of that massive solidarity coming in as uh, harley saying he's not um, he doesn't understand why we are not all the way behind these strikes for the uh, for our nhs we need support for healthcare workers right now. Um, we've had Mel Wilson offering loads of solidarity and one's just come in. Um, she really appreciates a safe space for it. And I've done an interview with Mel um, this week, which will be going out um, and it's excellent. Mel's a really good comrade of ours and absolutely brilliant and completely solid every single time. Carl, uh, great comments as well. Uh, Maureen, uh, the only way to get them fairer working conditions and wages uh, so it's it, the strike is the only way to get them um, fair wages to meet their professional skills um, and uh, Carl agreeing that uh, swearing is entirely appropriate at the moment Yvonne Bannister, a long comment here good evening everyone, I'm passionate about our NHS for, for many reasons and the way this government is treating their workers is appalling, the government is cruel and I don't think and I, and I think they're deliberate in what they do with underfunding. Undermining with privatisation, we need to make a stand. Our NHS are being pushed too far. The working conditions, the pay, everything. The government are utterly abhorrent. They say they can't afford it. That, once again, is a huge fat lie. And if they can afford HS2, weapons of mass destruction, which has been confirmed, about 80 billion and so on. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely couldn't agree more. Um outstanding comments there so uh, thanks again and keep the comments coming in um if you would be kind enough to share the stream that really really helps if you give us a like if you give us a share if um or, or whatever platform you're on you know just uh, get this shared around because it really really does help the channel um okay so back to speaking about strikes and uh, please do keep us updated as well on what's going on at clapman common because we're really interested and we'll share those things too back to strikes and back to this hero complex and this thing they did this with teachers they tried to make teachers and say oh well let teachers be heroes was the was the comment in the daily mail and i think they do this i think this started with veterans i think this whole thing of like actually we can send people into war without much care for them 
we can send them to war. And actually, if you're against that war, you're unpatriotic. If you're against the idea of our own people going away and fighting in a war in a different country about something that really, you know, that isn't necessary to do, you know, I'm not saying the people there didn't do good things while they were there. Some did, some some did appalling things as well, as we're saying through WikiLeaks, etc. But those people were, were heroes, weren't they? They were heroes. And they had the right to die. Look at them, how lucky they were to have the right to go and die for the cause. And then COVID came along. And those heroes who died, you know, they got the chance to do that. Wouldn't you just love the chance to die for something important? And then teachers, let's get the kids back to school. That's what's driving infections. Let them be heroes. Go on, like, you know, is this, do you think this is a deliberate hero culture thing to try and get people to, um, to just do what they, what they say without oh, being it's, properly it's, it's rewarded? It's definitely, obviously, a, a propaganda machine and propaganda campaign to be able to just deliver on whatever the hell they want. If it's the reason they did it, obviously, for the skills is because they, uh, everybody stopped working and they need babysitters, right? Like, at the end of the day, statistically, that's what the reason was. So they're, they're obviously going to do anything in their power to be able to discredit whoever um, or not even discredit. It's actually quite the opposite. It's actually really smart to do this is to be able to try and frame somebody as a hero to the rest of the world. But to that individual, they don't feel like a hero. They feel like they've been loaded with this whole lot of responsibility and they need to get on and save some lives. Um, they don't, and it's nice to obviously feel like a hero, but you're not getting the, the benefit of actually being a hero, you know, like the, 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 the luxury of it all. Um, you don't get brought up onto a telly, you know, in a nice limousine and, you know, the luxury of actually being a hero. You don't get like little medals and stuff. Uh, you, you haven't been sent off. There's no like ceremony parade or like, there's nothing in that. And there will never be anything like that. Um, but I think it's a very much mixed culture. I think they do it on purpose to basically frame frame, uh, frame people to be heroes because it's a smart way to do it without discrediting them because I think they've went with the discredit route and they know it doesn't work. Absolutely. Angela? Do you know, do you know what? This whole thing about the hero thing um, that really, really upset me was um, watching Boris Johnson clap that way there we were in our paper masks and our aprons had holes in them knowing that we were all going to get COVID at some point and he stood on his doorstep and clapped and I think when I was when I got COVID the second time and I was so poorly and I was emailing my friends saying I think I'm going to have to go in the hospital I'm worried. I didn't feel like a hero. I didn't feel like a hero at all. I just felt very let down. And then because I have a team to run, watching every member of my team get COVID. And there wasn't anything I could do. Nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing to protect them. Nothing. We had gloves that you could put your hands through. We had pennies with holes in them. We had glasses that you had to make yourself. And the government said this was safe. And it really wasn't. And I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't. And 
peeling the stickers back on boxes of masks that we were allowed in case we had any aerosol generating procedures and finding out it was six years out of date. And I'm sending people into cubicles and I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking, this cannot be safe. This just cannot be safe. It cannot be, but the government took over the whole supply line. It wasn't down to hospitals. There was nothing any of the hospitals could have done. It was solely down to Matt Hancock, who made himself director of the supply chain for the NHS, and that's what we got given. But I, I was lucky because I lost none of my team. I was really lucky. And I don't, I, I never want to go through it again, ever. And the next, you know, if we have to do it again, by God, I hope we've stood up to the government and we've said we're not. Because these people have got families and you don't go to work to die. You wouldn't send the army in without a gun and protective equipment. You wouldn't. And that's what they did to us. All of the healthcare workers in the NHS. And in the care homes, they didn't even get a mask and penny for a long time. So how the heck, they, you know, it just beggars belief that a government could be so cruel, so cruel. And I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not gonna ever forgive them for it. I'm gonna watch that, never gonna forgive them. I used to, text my staff every day who had COVID, how are you doing, how are you doing? Are you on your way to the hospital? How are you doing? And it was just awful. It was absolutely heartbreaking. But they just sent us like lambs to the slaughter and where the COVID ward, you know, and that's what they did. It was the government. There was nobody else involved. It was the government. See, this is like, normally, so, just to give you a bit of a background here, we 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 mates like me and me and Angela and 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 Laura, we're pretty good mates. And James, obviously, our mate as well. You don't know Angela very well, do you? But like, you know, I'm sure we'd all have a good drink together and a really good laugh. And you know, Socialist Night Live is normally quite a funny show, and we normally laugh quite a lot. It's quite serious one tonight, yeah. But this is so harrowing, you know, and Laura's already, like, taken herself off for a little while because you um, the members got a few behind-the-scenes footage there of Laura just, like, having a minute, which is probably really necessary at the minute, and, and, like, I'm quite choked about what's going on. And if anyone wants to ask the question, why are nurses and why are healthcare staff considering strike action? Did that not just answer it? that just not answer it like completely and the idea of when you've got like you know matt hancock said there was no problem with ppe no problem there wasn't one he made his mate he gave his mate a contract from his pub he used to have a picture of the pub on his zoom wall because he loved the pub so much he gave his mate a contract for making test tubes. He never made a test tube in his life. He didn't know what they were. You know, like, and, and, and this is the, the kind of, the corrupt, he did move it off the wall eventually, yeah. yeah, and that's the kind of corruption that we've got going on and the kind of utter disrespect for everything that you've done. The 10 points ahead in the polls, bare minimum, 
What's going on with people? Why are people more against the idea that they might be slightly inconvenienced by a strike? So for me, I know how difficult a strike is, and I'm sorry for talking a little bit long because I don't, I don't really like to... Well, everyone knows, knows I love the sound of my own voice, but um, I don't really like to in this show. But what I want to say is I think it's quite important. Strikes are so hard to achieve. Strikes happen when you've gone through all sorts of different... You've got to jump through so many hoops. We've got such difficult laws that would mean that you really can't take strike action unless you really, really need to. And if anyone ever does go on strike, the reason for going on strike is because the employer has failed, in this case, the government. It is a massive failure of the employer because the the employer holds all the cards. And I'll give you an example. When I went on strike before... In, a, in, a, in an individual school, we had a situation where um, the, the head teacher agreed to all of our demands at the last minute. So we called off the strike. So we'd had our ballot for strike action. And 12 weeks later, we had our date for strike action. And at the very end of that, and, and this was after someone had actually died, you know, someone had actually died in the workplace um, because of the actions of the head teacher in my opinion, okay, someone took their own life. Absolutely harrowing. Still, like, still breaks my heart to this day. Terrible thing. And what happened was the 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 we had a list of demands. There weren't demands. They were reasonable. If you read them, it was just like, can you just like follow the law, please? And that was really all it was. Can you just follow the law? Eventually, the head teacher said she would do that. And uh, then the day after we called off the strike, she said, actually, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do any of that. And we had a ballot for strike again. Another 12 weeks. Now, is that, you know, they can just say one thing. You've got to be totally reasonable as a trade union. And the other side can be totally irrational. She was writing in the press saying we're evil, doing all these different things. And, uh, and we had to keep our mouths shut and be professional. And we were the professional ones throughout the entire strike. Two years of action on that one. Two years. And it was our fault in the press's eyes. We were being hounded. And it's exactly what's happening now, but on a much bigger scale from this government. So I think people need to understand, strike action isn't taken lightly. You lose pay. You lose, you lose face. You know, the public are after you, they're going after you because you're inconveniencing them, because that's the only power you have as a worker. And then um, you're also losing things like things that people don't see, like uh, your pension contributions. It might mean that you have to put more into your pension or you might actually like be have to retire later because of it. It is that serious. It, it is never taken lightly. And I think the Labour movement, the Labour Party itself, should automatically strike so you should automatically support any strike action, uh, any I legal think, strike action. That I should be where we are. Labour group of um, was it? Sorry, the 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 the, the, the socialist the Labour, campaign group. The socialist uh, can, campaign group in uh, of MPs um, have already come out in full support of any strike any action if i'm correct it didn't specifically mention strike strike an action if i don't remember correctly i'm gonna to have to have a look with it now 
Um, but it, 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 there has been obviously solidarity support and 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 the message from um, the socialist group of MPs. Um, but I don't know if it specifically mentioned strike action though, uh, whether or not they would support strike action. That is, but then again, knowing Starmer knowing, said no. I I would well, that's different than. Um, Starmer said, "We no one wants to see nurses go on strike." Now we could have said that, and and it's it, language is important. Yeah, I I could say no one wants to see nurses go on strike, so the government needs to pay them properly. They need to negotiate with those, and if they go on strike, that's the government's fault. And I fully support the um the rights of nurses to choose to go on strike, but he didn't. He said nobody wants to see nurses go on strike, and he didn't do that. How are you going to change opinions with that kind of? absolutely pathetic lying down on this issue it's disgusting we should because strike is so difficult to achieve you know they've already made that decision they've already had a ballot they've already got these laws that are against them we should be automatically showing solidarity to anyone who gets to the point where they have to take strike action because that's the employer's fault oh can i and can i ask angela on this one what's your response to the labor's uh um, counter-proposal. Right, so <laughs> obviously we think we should get 15%. That's all I can say on the subject of how much we should get um, because that's the way we were going ahead before. Um, there are some MPs who have actually signed up for this and um, we're on call with some MPs and they have signed up for it and they are Labour MPs and they're backing us as well. So what we're hoping is the other MPs will come on board with that. Um, to be honest, I think it's quite weak. Um, you know, I don't really want to disagree, but I do think it's quite weak. And I think, you know, as you were born, as the Labour movement was born out, the union movement, I do think a little bit more solidarity and backing wouldn't have gone amiss. But, you know, we're a long way off striking. And, well, I think you look at probably July, if we strike July, August. I'm hoping we don't. I'm really hoping we don't, because it'll break our hearts to have to do that. But we've had enough now. So that, that's kind of where we're at. I just think he could have come out a little bit stronger for us. And I also think that using the nurses as a vehicle in local elections, isn't the way forward either because it's really nothing to do with local elections. You know, I just think the local elections, if you want your community to function, then you should be voting Labour. You know, I don't think you need to use the nurses. I think you should be voting Labour. Obviously, I'm a Labour person. I would say that. But I can't see any other way around it. You know, I'm worried that we get used by different factions as a vehicle for their own self-promotion. When really all we want to do is secure us some wages so that we can live. That's top and bottom of it. You know? Um, I'll be interesting. I think we're going to be in for a few interesting few months. I think as well, Paul, as well, you know, I'm waiting for the, um, do you remember when the labels of teachers left these what was it? I can't remember the term they used, lefty militants or something. I'm waiting for that term to get slapped on us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because mm. yeah, I, I think that's what the next thing is. 
that yeah. will be like militant nurses. Militant lefties, militant lefties. That's uh, that's what we are apparently. You know, simply. So speaking of um, speaking of militant lefties, so these militant lefties that are um, working in a job where they are having to go to food banks because they don't get enough money to eat, is is that something you see quite a lot in your in your job, in your role? I don't think people are going to admit to that. If I'm honest, um, obviously I've got healthcare assistants who. They literally they pull such a poor wage out. And I saw Nadine Dorries came on and said, well, well, nurses should understand the 1% because they've got husbands to support them. Very progressive, obviously very progressive. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people I work with are single parents, and that includes my healthcare assistants, who are pulling out an appalling wage, absolutely appalling wage. So they're not going to tell me if they're going to food banks. I mean, it's not something you would readily admit to when you're in a full-time job. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that some of them are. Because some of them can't afford to eat, can't afford to go to the canteen and eat. Now, do you think, again, we're going to come back to the... The, the woman aspect of this because we do know is it 90% of, of nurses are, are women is that right I think I think it is I think it is about 90% of women uh, of nurses are women but then I think I think that the male compartment of that there's an awful lot of senior male nurses now you can argue why that is but it's usually because um Women are held back in their careers because they have kids, which is wrong. I'm not saying it's right, but usually that, that is the reason. Obviously, the male then progresses in his career in those vital years in your 30s when you're having kids, just like every other profession. Um, so, yes, it's a, it is very female, very female oriented as a profession. And I think that's why we're seen as a bit of a soft touch. So I guess I guess your profession is as well. Yeah, we we are about I think we're about sixty percent I think sixty sixty five maybe um in in uh, education, in teaching certainly. Um, Laura, do you think that um the fact that nursing is seen as a woman's profession has any any bearing on this argument whatsoever? Like you know the the fact that nurses. You know, in the let's say what's happened to nurses' pay over the last ten years. So remember when they froze MPs' pay for two years, um, they, and then they decided actually in twenty fifteen to make up for those two years of pay freezes, we need a ten percent pay rise, and they did that in twenty fifteen when the Tories got like without the Lib Dems. So let's ne- let's not uh, thank the Lib the Lib Dems too much, but the Tories decided, yeah, we deserve a ten percent pay rise as MPs. And in that time, the nurses have had a real terms pay cut, and that's been mentioned in the chat. I think Mark Lungley earlier on was saying anything that is below inflation is always a pay cut, and that's something that we need to understand. So do you think that that has anything to do with this situation? Nurses seem as being a, a, a woman's profession about why they think it's okay to hold back nursing teams' pay? Well, in short, yes. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the caregiver role has always been seen as a woman's role 
um, rightly or wrongly, those jobs just do get left to us and we're good at them. And um, but this is, you know, this is historic. This is thousands of years old. This isn't just something that's come about since, since nursing or social work or caregivers um, roles became available. Women have always been the people who've looked after the family. Um, and and that's just never changed. That thought has never changed. Um, and and we live in a society that has been perpetuated by a patriarchal structure. Um, and yes, you know, for a full fact that I can bang on about that for an entire hour if you want me to. Um, it's just the fact of the matter. But it's not only a woman's issue, it's a class issue as well. Um, you know, the, the, this government, and not just this one, countless governments, have just been unforgiving in their decisions and uncaring and I don't understand why people, why it's not blatantly obvious to people that this is a structure in which everybody loses except the elite. And the elite, I'm talking about a tiny, minute fraction of people. People, who, people whose names you don't even know. So when people are bitching about um, football players or pop stars and that, yeah, they earn ridiculous amounts of money. But we're not talking about those people. We're talking about literally people who control mm. the narrative of the world and control mm. what people think, what inf information people get. Um and with that comes the patriarchal idea, one of them, that women are lesser than men. And that is just factually correct. And if anybody wants to suggest it's not, I will happily debate you on that because that is the society we live in. I'm not saying everybody watching this, not all men, you know, please don't say that to me. We'll fall out. Um, but that's the structure we live in so yes absolutely it has got everything to do with being a woman and that the care and profession has got to be done by women and so they don't really matter as much they don't need as much money they're only women um whether even i don't even know if the people making the decisions now are consciously even doing that that's just the way things are and have always been done and are still doing it um and so today, you know, with the vigil and, and International Women's Day events, I love this week ordinarily because I absolutely love seeing the strength of women and everything they say and do just amazes me. And it's been really, really difficult to hear Angela talk tonight as somebody I know to be one of the strongest, amazing women to get to this point where she feels so desolate and she's watching people around her die. Nobody should be made to feel like that. And if somebody like Angela can be finding it too difficult, then everybody is finding it too difficult and something needs to change. And I'm not even sure just swapping in one government for another one will do the job. Um, I, f I don't want to be a fantasist, but I feel like we need a revolution. <laughs> we really do. Um, I am going to play something for our, for our viewers at home. If... Uh, if you don't mind, um, this is a video from uh, from earlier on. I'm just going to have to turn up a little bit. So I'm just going to have to do something in a second. This is a video of what's actually going on in Clapham Common at the minute. Um, and, you know, I think I think people maybe aren't realizing how bad this actually is and, and, and how 
awful women are being treated. So uh, I'm going to, sorry, the panel won't be able to see that, but we'll, they'll, they'll hear it. But the panel won't be able it. to see it. Um, and I will, I will show you that now. you can't hear it so what it is is um is there are women kneeling down being uh aggressively aggressively dragged away they weren't moving they weren't doing anything they're being dragged aggressively dragged away from some railings by the police who have just been um We've just been, I suppose, considered to be uh, responsible for someone's death. Pretty scary stuff. Um, I don't know if there's any reactions there from people at home for that one, but that's a pretty harrowing, harrowing scene there. I don't know. I'm I just, quite disturbed uh, by it, that. Just a point out that just the amount they've. Of them they are um yeah the police are outnumbering yeah, like if yeah. they're there worried about the people gathering they're far outnumbering the women and the, the the comment earlier in the chat i think that would that just highlighted obviously the the thinking the, the critical thinking that obviously the police and and are currently not having down there um the met office bro uh, the, the met police sorry um by uh, having groups like a group of women, uh, like a squad, like a group of uh, of female detectives or whatever that is, uh, of female officers to go down and um, obviously do it is a a more of a show of solidarity, a show of support, um, just to be there to protect them while they're on the streets, rather than oh by the way we need uh, to now get you all off the streets. Um, because of COVID and then claim it's COVID, you know, uh, yeah, to stop the mass gatherings. Because they're just using the COVID restrictions as, an, uh, as a way to disperse the crowds, in my opinion, rather than actually understanding their issue, um, understanding why they are there. Uh, the whole point of the vigil anywhere is uh, for, for grieving, for mourning, um, you know, a, a way of acceptance. So I don't see why they weren't supporting that, even in the times what we're living in. I think it would have been the best way forward. I totally agree. Apparently, um, earlier on, before the police turned up, it was really calm and really um, serene and thoughtful and people were crying and, and putting posters up. And, and it was all quite, I don't want to use the word nice, but, you know, respectful. Um, then the Duchess of Cambridge turned up to pay her respects, and then the police turned up. So I'll leave that with you. <laughs> so she turned up to support the women. She t she went to the you know the place where they were all kneeling, like mm -hmm. the bandstandy bit. She went up there to pay her respects. There wasn't as many people there then, um, but after she left, that's when the police went in. Um, and by, uh, 
the witness accounts I'm reading anyway, obviously it'll all come out in the wash, I'm sure, in the news. Well, no, it won't at all. <laughs> that was a complete lie. We'll hear more stories from people who are actually there as time goes on. But it looks like um, they just, there was just too many of them and they weren't, they were there for crowd control. They weren't there to pay respect or to make sure people were safe, which is job number one for this this particular vigil surely the job of the met police is to make sure women feel safe because that was the point and they've done exactly the opposite so congratulations met police fucked us over again mel saying that uh the duchess of cambridge didn't have a mask on either. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know it's uh interesting some some really cracking comments that i'm gonna go through um uh donna marie robertson the problems came as well oh. from both we've had chat back and forth from different platforms it's been amazing tonight yeah I'm really really good um the problems came when all these caring professions education and etc became a business they enlisted business managers extortionate salaries to save money their salaries and bonuses are not worth the outlay the industries are not and should not be considered a business. You know, and that's absolutely right. You know, com- completely agree with that. And it's down to privatization of money. And look at like the US, where um, where they pay four out, out of public money, they pay I think around four times the amount per person in the US um, that we do in the UK for a system they pay for. It's you know, it's 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 a way of making money for big business out there and that's what they want us to move towards they keep on saying oh an american style healthcare system and then they go oh well we'll we'll, we'll say something else we'll say german style or no something. they call it in- insurance based system it's the way around mm. it right it's everything's an insurance based system oh, we've got insurance yeah, we've already got an insurance based system we don't need to diverge and stop paying off it individually like anyway Remember when David Cameron said, um, you know, you know, it would be a really good idea if we all paid into something, an insurance system for our health and our, uh, <laughs> do you mean we should do national insurance? Because we already do that. This, this so. is why shows like this are so important. People, I don't, if you're interested in politics, then clearly you know all this stuff already. But people who've just got to try and scratch a living and just want to get in and have a cup of tea and watch the soaps don't know this stuff and for that reason our best resource working class grassroots people are, are blinded to everything that's going on we need them to get bloody angry that's what we need to do these people need to get angry and understand what what's happening to us because it's just enough is enough we can't keep carrying on like this and they allow you know, a lefty party to come in maybe for a couple of years just to calm everything down. But they know what they're doing. They'll be back in. They always do. Tony Blair was, you know, Margaret Thatcher's best achievement. It's pathetic. It really is pathetic. We need to have proper change here because this is killing people. Sorry, I'm very angry tonight. (laughs) I'm either crying or really pissed off, so... Good luck. <laughs> do you think this might be a shot across the bows as well? Like, just like you know, if you do decide to do something, hey, tell you what, women, you're going after this. We don't care. We'll we'll do this. We'll go after you. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think it's to try and scare people? Because what did they achieve by pulling those women off those railings? And and obviously, um, Angie and Laura, you didn't say. I think James, you watched it on your your telly, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. But like. What did they? What did they achieve 
by doing this? You know, what what did they hope to achieve other than strike fear into people? Because those women were completely peaceful. They're kneeling down next to a railing. You know, just leave them, leave them. You know, that's it. I, I work with uh, with kids who might, you know, they might hit you, they might go for you and things like that. This is the nature of the, the children I work with, children with mental health problems. But, you know, if they are not going to harm me and they're just sitting there next to a railing, don't do anything. Don't antagonize them. And these are, they, I mean, I'm not talking, like they, that's, a, that's a, an extreme level. So why are they doing this with people who are peaceful anyway, who aren't going to cause any problems whatsoever? What is going on? What did they hope to achieve? You know, I think I think what I think is worrying about the whole situation is the fact that um, the Met Police are very good at crowd control. We've seen it, Paul. We've been there, um, obviously. But they know what they're doing. It's not like this is a surprise for them. They actually are very skilled in what they, they're supposed to be very skilled in what they do. So by doing this, tonight can only be to prove a point that that is the only reason for it and what point i do not know i have to say though it's absolutely outrageous how did they not think there was going to be an outpouring of grief from what's happened how did they not think that that just people are normal they want to grieve they want to show solidarity of course they do I don't know why they couldn't have worked with the protesters prior to this. Well, the, well, I'm saying protesters are not protesters. I don't know why they couldn't have worked with these women prior to this vigil and actually made it so that the police were happy and the organisers were happy. The organisers, like I understand it, were more than happy to work with the police. But it was the police that said just no. So I just think... The way it's been handled, it has been to prove a point. The strong arm tactics have been used to prove a point, and it's wrong. It's so wrong on so many levels. I agree, and I think it's a power grab, isn't it? It's a it's a systemic issue, and it's very much them saying, "Hang on a minute, don't get too big for your boots." I think they've seen over the years you know with the me too movement and the times up campaign and now everybody's doing this and just after international women's day when everybody sees just how incredible women are they've gone oh shit right we've got to control this and do you know what whether that is um a conscious thought process that happens or something that is just inbuilt in them for years and years of sexism that's been bred into people i don't know um, I'm hoping it's the latter, <laughs> but I do honestly think it's a power grab and they've gone, no, right, you need, we need to show you that we are the responsible ones. We're in charge. We're going to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. Um, and it's just perpetuating that over and over again. But there'll be an outcry after this and women will come out in force and again, we'll get bastardised for it um, and vilified for it. And there'll be narratives touted about how awful we are. I mean, literally the first thing I did in politics was get a story written about me in the Daily Mail about how I'm a nasty bully. And I'd only been in politics for five minutes. <laughs> so it's it's constant, even from people who are meant to be on your team. So we've got a lot of work to do. But we need people to get out on the streets and do the work with us. 
If I remember correctly, you were called a bully. Um, and actually what had happened is when you were elected woman's officer, you weren't allowed to make a speech because someone shouted you down so that you wouldn't be allowed to make a speech. <laughs> you know, poor, poor chair and too much power in one household again. Um, <laughs> poor, poor chair in that day. But, you know, it was just like, oh, they made such a fuss. And, and uh, a bunch of flowers you, I sent. That yeah, was the yeah. evil thing I did. Yeah, you did, did some <laughs> evil there, you know, and uh, and that's bullying as well. You know, what they did to you was was bullying. Um, did well, I ever I tell you the story though. about when we were in um, when we were in London for the poll tax marches? Let's see. So I was I, when I was a kid. Well, who I are you asking there, by the way? Anyone? Anyone? All right, okay. If you're, asking, if you're asking the audience as well, like there'll be somebody. <laughs> you may as well tell the story. I don't think, I don't think, I've, I don't think I've done this one. I don't think I've done this one. But uh, when when the poll poll tax marches, riots, whatever you want to call them, um, I went to a John Major once. So John Major was in charge by the time I went, and uh, I remember someone going up to the person who the the police who were there, and he's like, "Why are you not hitting us?" Why are you not hitting us today? And he just went, changing management. <laughs> so the police were instructed by Margaret Thatcher to hit the protesters who weren't doing anything. So when John Major took over, all of a sudden the, pe- the protests became peaceful. Peaceful protests because the people who were turning up weren't being hit. You know, and we've seen different types of protests. I mean, we saw the far right turn up and and start attacking the police for no reason and stuff. And it's like, it it it's interesting because uh, I've seen it the other way around as well. I've seen the even at football matches, I've seen the police go for people and um, instigation and antagonisation is all part of the game plan. Not all police. No, not all police. <laughs> I do have mates who are in the police and I don't have anything against them whatsoever and they're all right, but, you know, as an institution... No, but it's, it's not individuals. It's, yeah, it's the It's the institution, yeah. Well, I just don't see how... I mean, what, I'm, what I'm alluding to here, I don't see how you can let a load of Sunderland fans run a mock through the middle of London and just sit in your fan and watch it happen and then the same police force is pulling women off railings. Mm-hmm. I'd... I'd I just, it, it just beggars belief. I don't understand this. I don't understand the policy there. I think we do. I think I think we do. I think we're saying we don't understand. I think we do. I think everybody understands what it is. It's just that um, nobody really wants to believe truly. That's the reason, right? Nobody wants to believe truly that they're tr- just trying to suppress us in. In the well, I say us. It's not. It's not me at all. This is nothing. To but do. it is you though, because you're working class. You get. Ah, yeah, I'm you get suppressed class. as suppressed well. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, we can all bundle it in though. But this is definitely a woman's issue. It's not my. This isn't the man. Well, it's obviously mine's issue because it's the man's. It's the man that needs to change at the end of the day. Um, not not women, but at the end of the day, this is a woman's issue. It's a woman's issue. You need to tell us what we need to change. That's what it is, and we need society just needs to accept that. Who's making the decisions on this? Is it majority women? I don't, I don't believe so, because the majority of MPs aren't women. So the majority of MPs making legislation on, say, uh, legal consent, abortion, all of all women's issues. It isn't all women 
that are in these subcommittees, is it? Um, these are the type of things that need to be addressed. And I'm just thinking from a legislative perspective, things need to change from the top down. Um, it's not just it's not just men as as in men as in the individuals that need to change and check your mates and all of that type of stuff. Check the lad, that type of thing. It's there also needs to be policy change. Uh, the people who make policy decisions, there needs to be a full culture change around that. Because if you're making really a decision on women, it should James. be majority women who make that decision, not men. It's interesting you talk about that because I remember. Um, was it last week or the week the Thursday before the 50-50 parliament women were talking to us mm -hmm. um, and the woman Frances who started that was originally in sort of medicine and she worked with um, policy makers and she said she just got to the point where all these men were making decisions on female reproductive systems and she was just like no this is not okay we need the people in power need to be representative of the people they are and I hate the word power as well I should never have said that these people are there to serve us we put them there um, but they should be women representatives so that's how she started the 50-50 campaign because she just got so pissed off with men telling women what they should do with their bodies <laughs> um, so that was really interesting you're absolutely right I agree more women in positions of decision making have we got any questions from the audience or like people who are watching at home? We've had some great contributions and, and they've been dead good and they've been in agreement with what we've said. We did have uh, one person saying that they didn't want to come in here for ideological based drama. Um, you know, I think if you if you go back and uh, and watch what we actually said today. I just think it's common sense what we're saying. I don't think this is like based on ideology. Obviously, we're socialist think tank, and that's that's where I, our ideology is. We are socialists, but I think tonight it, it hasn't been. No, it's not rhetorical. been in any way um, or ideological in any way other than ideological fact for the fact that we don't want our frontline services people dying in front of us. Um, while they're trying to save everybody's goddamn life. Um, I'm sorry, but that's, that is not anything to do with ideology. That's my rant. Sorry. Yeah, th th this should be like, th this should just be common sense. If this isn't common sense, if this isn't your ideology, if you don't agree that nurses and doctors and anyone who works in the healthcare profession shouldn't be thrown under a bus then I don't know I don't know where your priority I don't understand I really don't understand if you think that any of this tonight has been ideologically driven for some sort of like purpose other than trying to help people and trying to make sure people's lives are better and make sure people people are respected if you I think that think I'd, I'd said anything controversial at all yeah yeah, no, that wasn't your fault, Carl. It was, uh, it was absolutely fine. He's, he's apparently he's a bit twitchy at the minute. He's made, <laughs> but, but it's just interesting. You know, I think this has probably been our least ideological discussion. If people aren't on the same page as this, if people aren't on the same page as us on this one, then I really do despair. But I think the whole point of this was to say, whatever we do, are we going to, are we going to support the nurses when the government treat them like shit? Is that what we're going to do? 
because that's what we're going to do on this call. Like, you know, the people on this call, and I'll physically do that. I'll turn up at protests and stuff like that, and apparently I'll get beaten up for it if the women in Clapham Common or anything to go by tonight. I will probably get beaten up for it, and we, maybe we're going to move into that kind of um, that Thatcherite, you know, like uh, Orgreave, um occupation of Easton. Maybe we're going back there. Are we prepared to do that? It's kind of. I think maybe now. I think it's we don't bring our kids to the protests anymore, Laura. You know, I think that that, no, that might be the God thing. No. You know, did you know like the far, when you know the far right are turning up and you're like, right, I'll not bring the kids to this one. Um, I think that's where we are, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, um, think, I think those days are long gone. Since we did a nice little lovely march on a sunny day in support of Jeremy Corbyn, I think that was it. <laughs> I think our time is gone. We'll bring the kids into politics in perhaps a less aggressive way, I think. <laughs> although although I was spat at that day, you didn't notice, but I was spat at, I was carrying Scarlet that, that lovely day in where we did the anti-racism protesting. Yeah, I fell a spat next to him you missed me but it hit my foot like it was right next to my foot and he called oh, me God, i didn't know that that i mean hell he, he was a known he, he, he was someone who's known in the in, in like the anti-racism circles because he's far right spattered us called as a pedophile he's recently been convicted as a pedophile um but yeah called us he was shouting that we're all pedophiles because uh you Jesus, know, man. you know so yeah, so it, it's never been it's never been a cakewalk like it's in the anti-racism movement or the the positivity towards women movement or anything like that. There's always someone who's going to come along, and this is what people don't see. You know, people see these like lovely things of of pride, and, and you know, and they they have these. Oh, pride's just a lovely parade. It's just a carnival. It's not. It wasn't. People were attacked on the street people were you know genuinely there in danger and they were being brave and i think we need to remember this because uh protest became commercialized a little bit like you know you had to buy tickets to get into manchester pride and stuff there nah. was advert for it if you remember was it who was a court caller was a court caller if you remember where they had to pull the advert oh my god sorry that just reminded me, and all I all I think of now is a court call a kangum, and then yeah, and then they're running towards the protest. Like, really? Anyway, <laughs> and I would just also like to acknowledge Chris Wood, uh, Chris Wood, sorry, um, and just just to say that obviously he has other questions relating to other issues, but obviously this is not the time. Um, in thinking about things that are more topical in terms of what's going on in elections, I can't counsel. So I would just like to acknowledge that and I would love to talk about that with any other SNL, but like you said, tonight is not the night. We've got some awesome county councillors that we can get on the show if we want to do a local one yeah. for people. Then, yeah. Yeah, at least at least for, because a lot, a lot of our audience is from County Durham, um, but a lot isn't. So it'd be nice to just get like a good variation of people on from I don't know maybe prominent people in each council or something. Well, uh, we have people from all over the world. I'll just give Alexandria Ocasio Cortez a ring and get her on. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine. The thing, a, a, a couple of the comments coming in there, like so, Mia, who's a really massive friend of Socialist Think Tank. Um, Sorry, sorry that happened to you, Paul. And uh, when you were carrying your daughter, that must have been scary. Funnily enough, there's a there's a weird thing that triggers in 
it's not your adrenaline does go but I was actually quite relaxed that time but um you know and, and Laura's on the other side of me and it's funny actually that I d- decided not to tell you like thinking about that probably psychologically a good move. <laughs> probably probably a good move yeah because we we're just walking along together and I was like okay right and I, I just kind of noted it so it's not scary like I, 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 I looked at the fella and I was like I think I'm all right even with my daughter on my back I think I'm all right but that is the point isn't it that's why things are worse for women this is why like you know I'd, I'm, I'm just a bit physically bigger and I'm just a little bit less worried about those kind of things and I'm sure some women would be so able to beat me up so able to so I'm not saying like women aren't, oh, aren't strong and things have, but I've been never explained it to, uh, to, to men before right there was someone on Facebook today which really kicked in which is something I try to explain. Have you ever walked past the gang of people, right, and put your hands in your pockets and grip your lighter or your keys? Have you ever done that? Right? Oh, I'm trying to explain from a bloke's perspective, right? From a bloke's perspective, have you ever walked through a gang of people, right, and your heart's starting to go and you put your hands in your pockets because you've either got a lighter or you've got something in your hands to make your hands heavier? Have you ever done that? I always tend to go quite relaxed and uh, I try to make them look like uh, I'm not bothered at all here. I'm not no, scared of you. That's where I go, but I do think about it and I do, like, I've, I have been in the position where I've thought about that, but I would go, I'm, I, I'm quite relaxed here, you know, I'm, I'm okay. But then no. again, I work with people nah, who... Yeah, probably used to quite a lot. It, it, it's different. It yeah. is different. You it's just, just kind of like, you, you I, go I a bit blank. You don't want to show emotion, but it is a deliberate thing. Yeah, I've been like obviously I've discussed this with other people as well. I, I've been through a gang of people and I've felt felt my heart go like this. And I put me at like and it's like a group of them. And it's because I'm genuinely scared what's going to happen because I don't know them. They either they got the hoods up or whatever. And it's like people just randomly. I, I've walked down the street just on my own. And it, 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 there'll be somebody else with a hood up and just walking over. And just for some reason, I'll cross the other side of the road. Just just out of pure, to, for the fact that I'm not going to cross them when I've got all that space. But at the same time, it's because I'm genuinely scared of them. Like, I, it, it's the wariness, right? Um, and I'm just trying to say, have that and amplify it by 10. That's the way women feel on a general basis when they walk around the streets when it starts to get dark. And it could be not just like a group of people, like you're feeling like you're wanting to put your hands in your pockets and grab your keys or whatever. Um, but it could literally just be one man walking behind you 50 feet away. Um, and that's the way they feel constantly. So when they're turning around, the, turn around that corner, they, sometimes they think they might want to run. And I've done that before. I don't know about you as a man, but I've definitely ran. As soon as I've turned the corner and I felt a bit suspicious, I've ran before. Um, and I think from what I'm being told, this is the way women feel on a daily basis. And I, I, I could not live like that personally. Not during lockdown, I'm being out. But yeah, <laughs> literally, if I'm out, it's it's been really weird this whole week because I've been sort of collecting stories of solidarity and stuff. And the, it's just like... Every single woman has, not saying every single woman's been raped or sexually assaulted, but every woman has a memory of that feeling where your stomach goes tight and you go, right, okay, just get through this bit. You'll be all right. Just keep going. Every single woman I know has done it. And it is that here's someone coming up behind you and you, you think, shit, should I be in this street? Is there a lighter place I can get home? Um, 
shall I get my phone out and pretend I'm ringing someone? Should I even turn around and look? Because that might cause me problems. It's, it's really, it's like, it's all the time. <laughs> really, it's all the time. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a big problem. And I think, I didn't realise that it was something we could fix, probably until this week. Because I just thought, well, this is natural. This is just the way life is. And no, it doesn't have to be. Women shouldn't be scared to walk home. <laughs> Simple as that. Devastating. Every every night when I come out of the hospital door down to the car park, I'm like that, Laura. Every oh, night. God, car parks on a night are the yeah. worst. Get keys out before you leave the door. Keys out before you leave. You'll have to mess on, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then um, some cars, if you're really lucky, if you've got a car and you're lucky like that, um, if you press it so many times, the alarm will go off on the car. Oh, some, people have got, some people have got, the, the, the alarm will actually sound on the car. Um, so I've, <laughs> it, it is, it's just really scary. It's really scary. And I think, you know, because of the reputation that we had in the 70s with the carry-on films and the knitting the nurses' asses and things like this, I think people think we're pretty fair game. But it, that's how it feels. So it's not so bad at the moment because you can't come out of any entrance. But when you come out of any entrance, you'd like ride the gauntlet of the drunks and the ones that have been out, and you'd get the comments and everything like that. And you, you already had your, you already had a keys in your hand to walk down the car park. Yeah. So you know, but then like you, Laura, I'm thinking that I've done this since I was 18. But so is it normalised to use? Is it normalised yeah. to the point yeah. where you're having... But it shouldn't be. Yeah, it should be, obviously. But yeah. yeah, I mean, as as someone who like is a self-professed woman's activist, honestly, I never even thought about it because it was just something that was so inbuilt. It was like, yeah. right, okay, make sure you ring your mum three times when you get home. Make sure your friends know where you are. Don't go to the toilet on your own. This is why we go to the toilet in twos. It's not so we can just bitch about the guys always. It's so we can be safe. Have something in your hand ready to go or have someone on the phone so they know where you are. It's constant, really constant. And it's like, you know, when you're little and you you have to turn your light off and get into bed and you you stretch yourself across the room and you turn your light off and jump in. Your whole life is like that. It's like if you're going to be by yourself, you need to be ready to get to the place you need to be without anything happening in between, without the monsters coming out and grabbing you. It's probably the, one of the only <laughs> half-decent ways of... Like, like running up the foot. stairs when you turn the light off. Yes! Is that the best yes. explanation? Oh, right. That feeling where you're like, oh, God, it's going to get us. <laughs> Have you ever, ever, like, I don't know whether this would be a useful thing for fellas to do, but have you ever dressed as a woman, James, and gone out? Uh, No, I haven't done drag at all. Yeah, no, it's just the the way you think. So one of my friends had a stag do before, and we had to do this. uh, We had to to dress as women. That was the, the theme. And some of the comments you got was really, really strange. And some of the ways, like, 
like I, I think I looked at I, I think probably looked a bit too convincing. Laura helped too much. <laughs> well, you got the long uh, hair and everything. That's, yeah, that's it was honest. it was pretty. It was, it was a little oh, bit we, too much. Oh, we went Audrey Hepburn. It was he was very classy. <laughs> very classy indeed. But um, the, but some of the people who were friends were like were were trying it on with me, uh, which was really really odd. Men are just so so weird. You know, it's so so men. weird. Not all men, not all men. It was a bit weird, though. I, I do think I, I do remember that experience and thinking, is this what women deal with all the time? It is really odd. It's just bizarre behaviour. I don't know. Yeah. They knew exactly who I was as well, which is really worrying. <laughs> that, that that was probably everything for them. They were like, "Wow, this is really Paul." <laughs> <laughs> You're intrigued now, aren't you, James? You see, yeah. <laughs> this sounds like uh, a members chat picture that's gonna have to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if it's still got. I hope not. I'll find it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so. I think uh, we'll probably start to wind up a little bit now. So the theme of this was um, was actually strike, but obviously there's so many things going on. We want to be supportive of everything that's going on with um, with regards to the um, the reclaim the night. I suppose was was what was going on tonight. Is that right? Was it reclaim reclaim the, night? Reclaim the streets? Reclaim the streets. Yeah. Reclaim um, the and- night is also another thing that is awesome, and we do have reclaim the night events up here um and that's about allowing women to be out at night <laughs> seems simple enough doesn't it but apparently not i can't believe it's still doing it laura yeah i know, it, uh, I eileen, know. eileen eileen brewers from our clp today commented that um 40 years since the first one 40 oh. years since the first reclaim the night and we're still going on you know it's quite quite terrifying to be honest um but we were talking about strike action and we do think that these things are linked. We do think this is an establishment way of trying to deal with people. Um, you know, like any kind of protest, let's put it down physically if necessary. This is the state that we're in at the moment. And I think we need to accept that because if you don't accept reality, then, you know, you can't deal with it, can you? You really do need to... I think we need to have the wool pulled away from our eyes and go, this is the battle that we're in, this is the situation uh, that the police are putting women in this particular in this particular instance in, and we need to be out there, like, um, supporting them. But we're talking about strike action. Shall we all have a closing comment about why it is important to show solidarity to those people and particularly um, at the moment, those people who are working in the NHS who are being treated so badly, low-paid workers in the NHS, a message of solidarity from each of the panel and then we'll let Angela finish and then uh, then we'll say goodnight. James, go on. Yeah, sports first day. Um, you know, um, completely. All, all I would say is, how would you feel if uh, you could see the people, your work colleagues around you dying, and all they are trying to do is literally resuscitate people back to life. Um, and then all, and then the next minute, the next day, you're waking up, you're knackered, and then you look on the TV, and then some absolute, well, let's call him an idiot, idiot is sitting clapping on the telly, saying, okay, well done. And then gives you a one percent pay rise, and then in reality, it's an actual pay cut. What would you do? That's my solidarity. 
Um, the only thing you've got left to do is your strike action. You go to your union. In my opinion, it's either they get a pay rise or nothing. Um, what else have you got? Are you going to support them? Are you going to are you going to throw them to the wolves? Because that's essentially what you've already done by voting in this government. Lauren. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess I would say that for most people in this country, it's really difficult to look past yourselves at this moment in time we've been told to look after ourselves we've been given no other option but to try and look after ourselves we've been isolated um and even back in the david cameron years it was we'll give you the power to look after number one our empathy has been stripped away from us we need to get that back um, I understand that if you think about yourself and you think, oh, God, but what's something happens and I need a nurse and they're not there because they're on strike. Yeah, that's terrible. But you need to remember that the nurses know that strike action is not taken lightly, especially by people whose job it is to look after others. And it is not just a job for most of them. It's a calling and something that they're really passionate about. Strike action is never taken lightly. It's not even very easy to do. You have to have the strength of feeling across the majority of your workforce to be able to go on strike. If the majority of nurses are saying we're in a position where we have no other option, then it's up to us to show them the solidarity that they need to get it done quicker so we can get them back to work with the money that they deserve. I'm going to go next. So, um, Firstly, strike isn't easy. Industrial action isn't easy. We should automatically support those people who have, you know, literally have our lives in their hands. Without them, you know, when when our loved ones fall ill, you know, what would we do with without them? That isn't a reason to tell them that they aren't allowed to take industrial action. That is a reason to tell our government, pay these people properly, respect them. Give them the respect they deserve because they have been keeping this country running. They have been keeping people in our lives for longer and they have been doing, like they've been sacrificing so much, including their own health, in order to do that. Solidarity to the nurses, solidarity to the NHS, solidarity to everyone who's working within within the NHS now. And, uh, you know, and those people who show anti-solidarity who show the opposite of solidarity to these people who should hang their heads in shame all of us need to get together support one another that is absolutely vital um and uh i will also say that um when when we when we do say bye as well angela we don't go straight away we'll have a little debrief because me and you are going to talk about how we're going to cheer up tomorrow when our um our little our little football team win a cup in the last time you know, I, th- I think the last time I had a drink together with was it was at Wembley. I think that was last oh, time. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's like a. I don't know when that was now, but yeah. So our little team might win tomorrow in a little cup somewhere, and that might be a nice day. And also, it's Mother's Day tomorrow, and think about what is happening to people like your mother when you were a kid and stuff, and and the things that they'll have gone through and the sexism that they've faced. You know, these are our mothers, it, it, fellas. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna um try and defend yourselves and say not all men, not all men and stuff like that, yeah, but all mams. And all women who aren't mams as well. 
Angela, would you like to close us? Uh, would you like to close this for us? Yeah. So, sorry, because I know this is normally really light-hearted and things, but I know probably I've probably dragged it down. But I just wanted to highlight because when once we start along this track, just like the teachers were, we're going to be demonised, and that's just if I could ask everybody, just believe what you know now, because in two months' time. The media, the government would have told you something entirely different. And we'll be all, all basically be a coven of nurses, witches, coven of nurses, evil nurses. And I actually think that's what they'll try and do to us. But we, we just can't go on like this. We just can't do it anymore. We just can't. Thank you. Any thank you for having us on as well. Thank you so much for having us on. You, you're welcome anytime and you know what one time when when we've banded together and supported supported each other and supported people like yourself maybe we'll have a big old party and we'll have a really light-hearted one on here one time and that'd be that'd be something that i would really enjoy um don't forget to like and share and subscribe to the things that we do you can become a member of socialist think tank as well um and just go to our website and there's a membership thing there you can choose to be a member who pays who contributes or you can choose to be the exact same member who doesn't because we don't discriminate against people because they can't afford things you're part of the team as far as we're concerned so if you want to become a member please do do that if you want to contribute it's appreciated and if, if you feel you can afford to then it is really appreciated but if you can't you're still exactly the same as all of us because we wouldn't be very good socialists if that wasn't the case. So we're going to wish you good night now. Everyone give give everyone a wave and say bye. Bye. We'll keep the red flag flying there.